This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Jutaris here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me is my buddy, my cousin, pal, the man with the plan, the one and only John Malika. But before we ask John how he's doing today, guys, you know what it is. If you listen to this podcast on any audio listening platform, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. Please make sure to subscribe. And if you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. We're also on fan side. So if you go to the Jet Press or the Daily Knicks, you'll see our podcast embedded there. If you don't listen to us on any of those platforms, we also got a YouTube page, Knicks, Jets, ETC, period. Make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And when you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, let us know what you want, what you're thinking, add to the conversation. We love to engage with you guys. You know the drill. And while you're over there, we got winning. Picks Weekly, John and video producer Greg usually go down the NFL slate, give you all their takes on betting, but don't worry, they're covering everything else. They got Masters going on, so they did that. They got baseball going on. They got everything covered, everything. If you want to do overs, man. unders. And be a playoff right around too, the yeah. corner. Yeah, I'm going to need to listen. I need to tap into that. I'm going to have to fast forward to that section and get my ass ready for that one. But then, guys, last and certainly not least, we're on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You name it, we are there. My man, John, how are you feeling today, bro? How you doing? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. We had a, a little delayed opening day, which uh, left it all for Masters galore. I mean, if you're not using the Masters website and just like going through all the screens, we had Tiger and his comeback today. It's been a hell of a day for sports, hell of a week. Uh, you know, NBA coming to a close. Every game matters. Uh, even the ones that technically don't, they're still fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just looking ahead. Basketball's over, man. <laughs> our, our basketball season's <laughs> over. I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, be actually entertained by real NBA players. You know, League Pass was just a side thing, and now it's, it's the whole thing. So I'm excited to get into the playoffs, man, where I think we're going to have a repeat of next year, of last year. So I'm excited, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, for for as good as I can be. I mean, we watched the the Knicks game yesterday. You know, against the Forget Brooklyn about Nets. It. I really want that one. Forget about it. Well, Forget you know, it. man. I, t- I sent out a tweet trying to be a little optimistic, a little moral victory, even though I'm not a big moral victory guy because we had a lot of young guys out there, right, running around. They showed some promise for three quarters. Well, I should say for three. Well, yeah, three quarters up until the last three minutes of the game. That's really where it was. We were like, okay, I could see some. I could see some uh, growth out of these guys, see some uh, pause. I could see some like development coming from like RJ Emmanuel quickly and so forth. But people are out there saying, but they lost, they beat the heat. Uh, It's like, okay, guys, let's relax. Uh, I could be a little optimistic on what I just saw last night. We don't have to be all doom and gloom all the time. What we see now is much different than the Lance Thomas, Isaiah Hicks, Luke Cornett time period. All right. So let's not go down that road. But John, we got a guest today, man. We got a wonderful guest today. We got Joe Molinax, site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, all right, and host of the Grizzly Bear Blue live on SB Nation's podcast network. Joe, what's going on, my man? How are you feeling today? I'm doing okay, guys. I'm sorry to hear that you're so down and out. I can't relate. Uh, I can't relate to that <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Things are just going really well for us uh, that they cover the Memphis Grizzlies and follow them. They're um, they're, they're doing some good things. You know, I, I know it, it's such a drastic fall for the, for the New York Knicks fan last year, things were going so well. Everybody loved Tibbs and Julius Randle was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all of a sudden that all, that all came tumbling down very quickly. And, you know, they, they might fire Tibbs before, uh, before the Lakers get rid of their head coach, uh, Vogel. So, uh, I, don't know, it's, I don't know about all it's, that. I feel it's like pretty remarkable how – But at the same time, like the Lakers just won a championship two years ago. You know what I mean? So 
I, I don't know if it's a big market thing or what, but it's just fascinating to see, you know, I'll use the NFL's Pittsburgh Steelers as an example. Like they'll have, you know, they're pretty consistently good or above average, but there's plenty of years where they're not, you know, they're nine and eight or eight and seven, whatever the record is now in the NFL. And they don't get rid of Mike Tomlin. They don't cut coaches loose. Tibbs, I'm pretty sure was coach of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that they want to fire him the season after. Frank Vogel won a championship two seasons ago, and now he's going to be cut by the Lakers uh, for something that isn't his fault. Yeah, you know, investing in Russell Westbrook is not something I'm guessing he thought was a good idea, uh, or at least didn't initiate that conversation. So I'm I'm just kind of surprised that the Knicks are so willing, or at least fans of the Knicks, are so willing to move on from someone who so recently had such great success in Memphis. Taylor Jenkins is a made man, top three coach of the year candidate. We've got Jaron Jackson Jr., defensive player of the year in the mix. Uh, John Morant is almost certainly going to be most improved player, uh, but he doesn't want that. He wants to be the MVP, which he's not going to win. But, um, you know, there's Desmond Bain. There's all sorts of good things happening for the Memphis Grizzlies. So that, that was a long-winded way of saying that it really sucks to be you guys. And if you want to join the Memphis Grizzlies fan base for the next few months, Come on board. (laughs) Listen, man, as as resident Knicks fans, there's one thing that you have to do. You have to get a league pass during the year and you have to find your league pass teams because you just can't find sanity and happiness in basketball if you just watch the Knicks. So the Grizzlies are one of our, you know, we've had it, especially our podcast is one of our league pass teams. So we've been all over the Grizzlies and especially since John Morant, you know, as you mentioned, and our boy, R.J. Barrett, they're tied forever together. So we always have to keep tabs on John Morant, see what's going on over there. And the Grizzlies, honestly, ever since, you know, the good old uh, Zebo Grizzlies, they play that gritty type of, you know, old school Knicks basketball that we love so much. So, you know, I, I'm not going to take into account the fact that we always get into a fight, right? The Memphis Grizzlies and the Knicks when they play each other, right? We'll leave that a little bit to the side. I actually do kind of like the squad, but it's interesting that you brought up, you know, Tibbs and Randall right away from the jump. This podcast has been pretty adamant about keeping Tibbs. Uh, I was the resident Randall apologist for most of this season, honestly, because he was, you know, like you said, the most approved player, the best thing since sliced bread. We hated him and then we loved him. He was the savior, and then we hated him again, uh, all within like 20 games. Like literally like every 25 games, we want to either, you know, give this guy an extension or cut him. Uh, so we are on the Tibbs bandwagon, you know, especially more than Nick's Twitter or Nick's fan base. So we want to get your outside perspective, especially from, you know, a productive team right now. Like what, what, do, you, what do you think about the Knicks? What do you think about the Knicks when you see them on the schedule? Uh, when we played you guys a couple of times, I was at that game, you know, when you came to the garden, a uh, pretty gritty matchup. And what's your, you know, take on Randall and, and Tibbs. There's a, there's, there's a bit of a, a, a question mark about Randall's actual value to the league. Right. Because of course we, we, we think he's now worth, you know, a Daniel Gallinari, <laughs> you know, but last year he was MVP in our, in our brain. So, you know, we just want to get the outside perspective. Sure. Well, again, I think the Knicks were really good last year, and it's the sign of a dysfunctional franchise. And I say this as someone who has covered a dysfunctional franchise between the grit and grind era and what the Grizzlies are currently being, which is not the same at all, but they're having similar success, at least. Um I think that it's fair to say that the Grizzlies were fairly dysfunctional. The end of the Chris Wallace's GM regime did not go well. And they had a couple of years. One of the reasons they have Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant is they had high lottery picks, right? So I think that that's important to point out. Like, it's not like the Grizzlies have been awesome this entire time. There were some lean years there at the start of my run as site manager. Um, I think that the thing about the Knicks that always stood out to me from watching from afar was I feel like they hitched their wagon to Kemba Walker a little bit. And I thought that made more sense as a scapegoat, even though it's not entirely fair to blame Kemba because Randall did regress. Tibbs obviously is Tibbs. You know, he, he does questionable coaching things, but he's always done that. So you kind of know what you're getting with, with Tom Thibodeau when he's your head coach. Um, 
I always thought that then maybe I just don't see it enough because I'm not as active in that community. But, you know, Kemba Walker was supposed to be a lot more than he is. And I think, you know, Derek Rose, I believe, has had health concerns or health issues this season. He's been in and out of the lineup for y'all. Uh, you mentioned R.J. Barrett and quickly earlier. That's been a positive. I'm a big fan. Of, uh, I might mess up his name. Mitch Robinson, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitchell Robinson. I like him a lot. I think his his free agency is going to be fascinating because I don't know what his value is. He's very good specifically in specific things. And I think he's very limited in other areas. So what he looks like in 2022 as a legitimate free agent big man is going to be interesting to me. Um, uh, Barrett is awesome. He made that missing out on job by one pick look a little less bad. Obviously, the Knicks couldn't control what Memphis was going to do. Um, but, you know, Barrett wanted to be there, and, and RJ's had a good season of growth. And I think that he's showing some things that he could be on a good Knicks team, maybe the second best player. Uh, the key is finding that alpha, right? And the Grizzlies are fortunate in having John Morant. He's very clearly that alpha kind of guy. I think Barrett is more in the mold of a Clay Thompson second guy on a really damn good team. Um, on a first team, or as the number one guy, he's probably a playoff caliber team, but they'll have a ceiling. Uh, they got to try to find a way to bring in that next dude, and that's kind of been the story for the Knicks for years now, right? How are they going to get that dude to come to New York and not go to the other borough over in Brooklyn? Um, I, I think that's going to continue to remain a story. And you know, Barrett's a topic. Sensitive topic. Yeah, I know. Especially with um, KD but, and Kyrie really bringing it up last right. night. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that they're just a, a good draft pick away. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. probably the most realistic way for them to do it is in the long term. And that's how Memphis has kind of done it. They got lucky with Jaw, admittedly. But, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, you know, these are all guys that have been drafted into the program that are bought into what the system is. They talk about the Grizzly standard all the time, the culture that's been established is impressive. I think it's fair to ask, what is Nick's culture? And if you can't answer that question, then I can tell you why you're not very good. Um, You know, the Warriors have a culture. I think it's fair to say the Grizzlies now have a culture. The Suns appear to have a culture. Uh, You know, there's no coincidence that three of the top, the Heat, good Lord, Heat culture, they talk about all the time, (laughs) ad nauseum. You know, everybody talks about having a culture and an identity. I don't know that New York has that, the best way to do it is also one of the hardest ways to do it because you have to display delayed gratification. You know, the Warriors sucked for a while, you know, before Steph and Clay and Draymond got in for there. Sure. The Grizzlies had a couple of lean years. The Suns obviously were struggling for a time. So I think that it's important to, to acknowledge that it takes time to build a really good franchise in terms of a roster and teams like the Knicks and the Lakers and it's funny to say the Lakers because they won the title two years ago, but I'll use the Knicks as a better example. You run out of patience. And when you run out of patience and you feel like you have to hit the reset button, you're starting the process all over again. I don't think the Knicks are as far away as maybe their fans think they are. And obviously New York is in a position where they can kind of build upon what they've done. If they can clean up their cap sheet a little bit, I don't see any reason why the Knicks can't be back in the play-in and back in the playoff conversation. I mean, the, the play-in in the East, Atlanta's not scary long-term. Uh, there's plenty of room. Term. Right. I think there's, <laughs> there's room for New York to get back to where they were and then maybe even be better. Uh, they just have to be smart about how they spend their money and not just go out, try to find the flashy guy. You know, it, it's important to be deliberate in your movements and what you do. And I think the Knicks need to get back to that. Yeah, no, I, Joe, that was like very well said and very like about the whole Knicks. And I agree. And I, and you know, I think when you talk about culture for the New York Knicks, like we have the cultures, the culture's there. It's the play hard, play gritty, play defense, and to take open three pointers and put up as much shots and try to get out in transition. Now, the thing is with that, from our perspective, is that we put that on Julius Randle. And even though we weren't the fastest paced team last season, Randle led us to do a lot of those things with, the help of Nerlens Noel, who was a stonewall last season, right? We had Reggie Bullock, who's a really good wing defender. Alfred Payton, for as much as fans hated him, uh, he was still a decent enough defender, even though he didn't really offer much offensively, right? And we had that identity last season, and it fell off this season because we changed 
in investing in someone like Evan Fournier, who's not really known as a defensive guy, Kemba Walker, who's not known as a defensive guy. And this is where I put blame on the offense, uh, on the front office, I should say, because as you said at the beginning, you know what you're getting out of tips. Like you yourself said that. And, you know, I, I do, I, I'm also a contributor to Dick's Fan TV as a, the senior editor over there. I'm a co host for the post game. And I was saying that last night, you know, I blame the front office because you know who you're getting. Leon Rose has known who Tom Thibodeau is. We've seen Thibodeau's work of like his, his entire portfolio of work, right? That he's going to be a defensive first guy. Offense is going to be pretty limited, a lot of isolation basketball. So if you're going to have a successful team, you need defense. And that, that structure is still there. When you watch the kids, like when you watch our youth play, whether it's RJ Barrett, whether it's Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, all these guys who are under the age of 25, they're all playing defense. The thing is, though, because we signed Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, you have Alec Burks, who's okay defensively. You have to play these guys over the kids because that's where you put most of your money into, and you can't justify just sitting them for extensive periods of time. Sure, Tibbs could have managed the minutes better and get, try to like be finagle gang more like time out of Obi Toppin, maybe get Quentin Grimes in there sooner. Maybe you could have find spot minutes for Miles McBride earlier in the season, but that's the reason for our setback. And I'm, I agree. I don't think we're that far away. The thing is that's going to be complicated is how do we clean the cap sheet in order moving forward? So I, I agree with that. 100%. Um, Dude, Joe no, is coming off the books, player. baby. Don't worry. Finally! <laughs> <laughs> Finally! Last season. That's a positive thing. That's a positivity. Yeah. We're on the way, baby. We're on the way. We have some tradable on contracts. We have some tradable contracts, you know, even including Fournier, which everyone's freaking out about. He did break our three-point record for single season this year. Uh, Noel injured. But he, everybody's year, uh, contract is one year less than it's been reported because there's team options. Uh, besides Fournier, he has a player option, right? So, um, you know, I, I it all stems for us. You mentioned it at the point guard position, right? Tibbs, as Alex said, do, doesn't have an offense. He's limited, and it's a lot of iso ball, and he relies on the point guard, right? Everywhere he goes. Here, that was our problem last year. Alfred Payton... Obviously not getting it done. D Rose was. So we decided to, you know, get Kemba Walker. That didn't work out within officially 20 games, but I'll say probably seven games, <laughs> like seven to 10 games just wasn't working out. And so you're trying to put a, a, a band-aid, you know, a, a, an injured band-aid, you know, uh, to, to, to try to fix something. And, and that's our issue. And that's one of the main reasons you know, why we have questions for you, man, because you have one of those point guards. You have one of these guys that are rumored to come to the Knicks because we're desperate, dude. The whoa, Knicks, whoa, whoa. You cannot have Ja Morant. I'm going to cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> With your big market stuff. No. Nobody you have we don't is want we're trading Ja Morant for. We don't want okay? I mean, we, no, hold I, know, hold we want... I know how you big markets work. <laughs> I've seen the Lakers photoshops already. I'm sure there's New York Nick ones floating out there. No, yeah, such a bad John Morant's man. off the table. Oh, you're I'm, talking about Tyus Jones. I blame I blame the New York Post. I blame if you're blaming, you're talking about Tyus Jones, maybe. I blame the New York Post for all of this. Tyus Jones maybe is a little more realistic. I thought, I'm sorry. I, I, I prejudged you uh, as big market guy. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to try to hurt. give me Julius Randle Look, for man. John Morant. I apologize. Look, for that. No, that's, that's not this podcast. That's, not, the, that's tough, not this podcast. <laughs> it is tough out here, and that's not this podcast. But... <laughs> We're not the ones out here showing, uh, you know, a Reggie Bullock, Julius Randle, like even last Zion, year to try to get Zion, someone uh, Zion. Zion. <laughs> Zion rumors. Yeah, yeah. But look, like, I mean, uh, we would love John Moran, but we know that's very unrealistic. Uh, but yes, Tyus Jones, man, there's been <laughs> there there has been talks amongst especially in Nick's Twitter where Tyus Jones could be a good option because I think the thing that people look at as of right now is that he really is a prototypical point guard brings the ball up looks to distribute has a low assisted uh, turnover ratio and people look at that and they say there's something there and when you watch him play he's a good player like I, i'm not taking that away from him you know tibbs had him before traded him uh <laughs> when he was in minnesota but watching him how he has developed on the memphis grizzlies and leading that second unit and even stepping up for when jaw's missing time you know, there's it's kind of like the campaign of last season where, oh, there could be room for this guy to even take it to another level because 
what if he gets thrusted into that starting role? Could he produce at a higher level? Because what he's doing right now in his limited role and being so efficient, it's very appealing. So let's, let's get the first of all, well, before we get into like money and all that stuff, let's get the details on, on Tyus Jones. And, and what do you, what is Memphis fans uh, feelings on Tyus Jones? What, what is your thoughts uh, on Tyus Jones? Give us the whole paint us the entire picture, man. Give us that Picasso painting. <laughs> I think Tyus Jones is the best backup point guard in the NBA. I don't know that it's particularly oh, Jaylen, close. Jalen Brunson um, is no, not I, happy with you right now. See, and I don't know that I would count Jalen Brunson. I guess it comes down to positional if you consider Luka a true point guard and all that stuff. Um, see, I, I, I would rather, this is maybe the Memphis bias, I would rather have Tyus Jones. For the reasons I'm impressed you that you outlined there. He is the true prototypical point guard in that he creates offense for others and he doesn't make mistakes. Uh, you mentioned his assist turnover ratio. It's not just good, it's elite. It, it's the very best mm-hmm. in the NBA. And I think he's right. on pace to break NBA records for the best assist turnover ratio in the entire history of the National Basketball Association for a single season. Uh, so he is doing remarkable things, protecting possessions. And for a team like the Grizzlies, you know, we've known this for a while in Memphis, but you know, the big Achilles heel entering the postseason is our half-court offense. I think we're 22nd or 23rd in the league in the half-court. We're elite in transition. We have John Morant, all these other dudes. Like It's watching a track meet sometimes. Uh, But when you get us in the half-court, things get interesting. And Tyus Jones protects possessions. And you need as many possessions as you can get to score the basketball. You know, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, So I like that Tyus protects the ball. He has shown the ability to shoot the three at a higher percentage than normal, yes. which yes. I think is important to point out. He's having a career year in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm being a fair, unbiased uh, analyst here, I don't know how long that holds. You know, you kind of got to go with precedent and historical, you know, in, in his contract year, is he really going to be a 38% three-point shooter the rest of his career? I, I can't say Even he higher. will be. It's even higher yeah. now, man. Every time because he, he had a really good four. game, right? He was like yeah. four for four. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's technically... close to forty percent, my man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I I I think that might be a bit of fool's gold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure it's going to stick, uh, but I do think it will be improved from is what his career average is, which I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's thirty four or thirty five percent, something like that. He's the truth is probably in the middle, uh, is what I will say about Tyus and. I think that the assist to turnover ratio thing is the big thing. I think he's a starting point guard on a team that has a lot of scoring options around him. He doesn't have to be the lead scorer. One of the big reasons everybody floats the 20 and three thing now, because they lost to the jazz in overtime on Tuesday, uh, the Grizzlies are now 20 and three without John Morant this season. And they say, Oh, well, that's why John Morant's not the MVP. Memphis is just a really good team. Well, they have Tyus Jones who enables them. He can score when he needs to, he can facilitate offense. He can create possessions. He's an excellent team defender, which he probably got from his time with Tibbs uh, before he left Minnesota, um, learning the importance of playing within scheme defensively. Taylor Jenkins is underrated in that way. Um, the, the team defense of Memphis is pretty stout. At least it has been the last, you know, the first 20 games of the season, it was rough, but the last 55 or so, it's been, you know, one of the best in the NBA. Uh, I think Tyus is a big piece of that. You know, that's one of the reasons they play better in air quotes without jaw is jaw is much more. I'm going to create uh, turnovers. I'm going to attack the passing lanes. I'm going to try to get stocks and deflections and all those things. Tyus is much more sound in terms of what he does within the scheme of Memphis. And I think that that would obviously benefit the Knicks too. Um, Obviously he's a free agent. You, You said, we'll talk about the money more in a moment. His value on the market is going to be fascinating to watch. There's only a few teams that have cap space. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Brunson. It sounds like the Pistons are going to be all in on trying to get Brunson. Uh, Detroit's one of the few teams that has the money to possibly pay ties. And then if you're starting to talk mid-level exception, um, Memphis is maybe second best record in the NBA, but I think you guys, we all could agree. We're first place in vibes. Uh, I would say the vibes are immaculate. <laughs> When it comes to the Memphis the Grizzlies, after the Suns. So, well, no, I'm talking about vibes. I'm not talking yeah, about, vibes. Vi- I'm talking about yo, vibes. Yo, Chris Deep Paul is the vibes. angry dad. Yeah, no, but Deep Chris Buck. Paul is the angry dad 
who is, you know, he yells at them at home and tells them to turn their music down. No, then vibes wise, it's Memphis. The book is showing up in in, in, in 86 Cadillacs. Desmond Bain single-handedly destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers season. LeBron James said, get off my yard to Desmond Bain. Four and 20 after that. So this is a Desmond Bain podcast. You should have listened to us pre-draft. I love Desmond Bain. (laughs) Um, So do we. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) I I think with Tyus, it's going to be interesting to see if the mid-level exception is all he can get. And you have to choose between, you know, another playoff team and staying in Memphis and knowing you're going to start games. Because I think it's fair to say at this point, Jaw is going to sit out at some point uh, in terms of injury. He just plays a style that, you know, he's going to need 15 or so games off every year. So you're going to get a chance to start. Yeah, violent. That's a good way to describe how he plays. (laughs) Um, You're going to get a chance to start some. You're going to be on a team that's ascending. They're not peaking yet. Um, If he doesn't care about starting, I don't know why he would ever leave Memphis if the mid-level exception is all he's going to get. But what others have started to point out, and I've said for a while now, the idea of sign-in trades. And I think that that is where the Knicks could potentially get involved for Tyus Jones, pay him maybe a little more than Memphis is comfortable paying 12, 13 ish million a year to be their starting point guard. And the Grizzlies can get something back in return for Tyus departing. And that allows for New York to not have to do as much to their cap sheet uh, as they would to just sign Tyus outright. So to me, that's probably if Tyus leaves, that's the most likely way it'll occur because it expands the market, allows for more teams to be in on trying to acquire him. And it also helps Memphis too. You know, Zach Kleiman, the GM of the Grizzlies, he rarely does things w- without a kickback for Memphis in some way, shape, or form. So I, I think that Tyus Jones would fit the Knicks well. I don't think he raises your ceiling necessarily, but I think you're definitely a playoff team with him running your offense because now R.J. Barrett doesn't have to do as much facilitation. Now Julius Randle definitely, because I know even at his peak, he was doing some pretty impressive things with assist numbers and, and helping to facilitate offense. It, it allows for them to narrow their vision. If that makes sense, Tyus takes care of a lot of that. And when he has the opportunity, you know, he has an elite floater, one of the best floaters in the NBA. Um, we mentioned the three point shooting. He is underrated in terms of creating his own offense, but the numbers back up the eye test when it comes to creating for others and protecting those possessions, which is just so important, especially for a team like the Grizzlies right now. For sure. And everything you said, you know, is why people are in on Tyus Jones. But do you, you, I want to bring back to what you said at the beginning. You said he's a really you said he was like, what a really good backup. Like, and do you think he's just a backup in this league or do you think he can be a starter in this league moving forward? Because if we if the Knicks are to do a sign and trade, he is. You know, we haven't had the point guard <laughs> for this team in a very, 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 very long time. You know, we did Band-Aid situation with Raymond Felton uh, and Jason Kidd. John always likes to bring up uh, Stevie uh, Stevie Franchise, <laughs> the one Steve Francis. Uh, tough so, years, man. Tough years. Very tough years. I mean, we as long as it's not Tony Douglas, bro, I don't want to remember those years. But, uh, but do you think he can be a starter in this league? Like – on on a team that need especially needs a point guard and looking at the Knicks and how they're currently constructed, right? It would be a sign and trade. And I want to get your takes on if the Knicks were to do a sign and trade, who would the Grizzlies want? But if Tyus Jones goes to the Knicks, do you think he is still that same player that we're seeing right now on the Memphis Grizzlies? Yes and no. I think that the Knicks are attractive because he's familiar with that system. That, that's important to point out the connections. And you always hear those like in the, the cliff notes or, or the, uh, the afterthoughts of all these transactions, this player and this coach worked together five years ago, or this agent mm-hmm. has a connection. You know, there's always these lines of sight uh, between point A and point B when it comes to NBA transactions like this. Um, I think he could be a starter on a playoff team. I think that's realistic. Like I said, if he's one of your top three players, you're going to not be very good or your ceiling will be very finite, right? You're not going to get beyond a certain point. He's an excellent role player. He knows his role. He does his job. Well, starters can be role players too. Obviously you're not going to trot out five stars and and hope things go. Okay. 
you know, you need guys to do that work that your stars aren't going to be able to do and still do the things that make stars stars. So I, I think he's really good at those particular things, but his value is limited by what he is in terms of positionality. He is only a point guard, right? Like he is only a point guard. So one of the reasons I, you know, people bring up, we need to keep Tyus three years, $45 million, get it done. I don't want to spend $15 million on a guy who's going to be a backup point guard and how much he can play behind or next to John Morant is questionable. Like it's going well this year, but that doesn't mean when the West is a hell of a lot tougher next year and the backcourts get bigger, Jamal Murray's back, Kawhi Leonard's back, you know, all these guys are healthy. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to play John Tyus all that much together. And do you really want to, you know, cause Jaw's going to get a super max and deserve it. Uh, do you really want to have that much money tied up in the point guard position? I don't necessarily want that much money if he can't play multiple positions. So it would come down to what your guys' backcourt looks like. Do you have multiple guards that can handle and allow for Tyus to still be that traditional one guard, point guard type of player? Because he's not, if you have multiple undersized guys, bigger backcourts are just going to eat you alive. Uh, he doesn't have the capacity to be able to handle that well. He just physically can't do it. Um, so that's why he is a backup in the here and now. Um, but they, he doesn't have to be, if that makes sense. He needs to go into a situation that is more conducive to him being able to have flexibility around other guys. You know, if he is the point guard and then you have multiple twos that can kind of cycle around him and then also be able to handle a little bit, that's better than what Memphis currently has. Because DeAnthony Melton is six foot three, I think. Bain is six four, six five. Uh, they don't have a, an RJ Barrett who's a bigger guard that can handle a bigger wing that can handle. I think Brooks is their biggest guy that's like that at six seven now. Um, you know, Kyle Anderson is more of a big man at this stage of his career. So they don't really have what the Knicks and others do that would enable Tyus to to be more flexible in a backcourt pairing. Um, you know, Jaw is Jaw, but Jaw is also, you know, you're not moving Jaw to shooting guard. You know, Jaw is going to be that lead ball handler at all times. And if he's out there with Tyus, you know, maybe you have screens for Jaw trying to get to the basket. Jaw Morant's improved as a three-point shooter, but he's kind of similar in Tyus. Like, is he really that good of a three-point shooter? Uh, we'll have to see that over the span of time. I don't know that Tyus' fit for the money makes sense in Memphis, whereas in a place like New York, if you have a bigger backcourt, that flexibility can be found elsewhere. Yeah, to be fair to Tyus Jones, though, I understand it's a contract year, and Alex and I are super weary of that, whether it's our NFL players, but if you want to stick to basketball and somebody you mentioned, Mitch Robinson, you know, this year, and, and you know, Julius Randle last year, almost everyone, D. Rose, everyone who needs a contract, Noel, you know, played well for us, and we are very weary of that. But to be fair to Tyus Jones, his minutes per game didn't really have that much of a career jump, but his usage, uh, besides his efficiency, obviously skyrocketed, but his usage changed. And, you know, he was able to start games. He was, you know, super efficient from the, from the three, like you said, but he also, his attempts went up. It's not like, you know, he would just shoot one now because he's not asked to do as much of a role because John Morant is there. So to be fair to him, he did well, he was able to step up when the star player wasn't there. You know, that we don't know about Jalen Brunson. Like we know that Jalen Brunson could play next to Luca. We know that he could, you know, come in off the bench for sporadic minutes. We know that they could play together, but we don't know that they can, he can carry the team like Tyus, like creating for himself, creating for his other team, you know, picking up you know, even rebounds here and there, which our guards don't usually get. So we're not we're not used to that. Just the gritty type of ball uh that we're kind of looking for. And, you know, the one thing about the Knicks I'll say is we wouldn't be signing Tyus Jones to be that bona fide number one starter. You know, you could tell by the way we treated, you know, Red Fan Fleet, for example, you know, he was a better version, <clears throat> excuse me, of Tyus Jones. And we were like, ah, oh, nah, we don't know if we could still keep him alone. We don't know if we could overpay him. So if Tyus Jones were to come in, I would imagine that we'd still have IQ, Obviously, RJ, maybe a Grimes slash Fournier, like some sort of shooting guard there. Uh, D Rose, obviously, still there. So I think we could surround him with talent. 
For sure. Probably so. I, agree. I, I I think, and sorry to cut you off, the, the interesting thing about the Knicks as a fit for me is you have so many guys like an Alec Burks. You know, you got other pieces that point guard how can i yeah right like in (laughs) in theory you have a guy like that who and that would probably be one of the guys i'd want back if i was memphis in a sign and trade oh okay Um, well we can talk more about that but looking at your roster if i'm being honest with you it's kind of Kind of thin. Uh, um, no, I don't trust me. I get this it. Is Burks or Mitch? Yeah. Right? Who else is? There? Um, but I, I, well, I mean, Quickly's interesting. But you guys, again, okay. like you just kind of said, that would kind of defeat the purpose. Um, I, I do think that one of the fascinating things about Tyus with this Knicks team, if it were to come to pass, is he would enable those guys to not have to create so much offense for themselves. They could, you know, be more catch and shoot it could vary their offense more. You know, there's not as much isolation unless Tibbs just does that. And that's all he does. That wasn't necessarily what Tyus did when he played for Tibbs. You saw them have more catch and shoot opportunities. And I do think that that would enable their offense to evolve a little bit. For sure. So, so Joe, you just mentioned Alec Burks, who if you look at these tired eyes, we've had to watch (laughs) Alec Burks play point guard since Kemba Walker <laughs> who was stopped doing that. And even before that, when he got benched. Yeah. So, it's been a rough year for you guys in point guard play. Yeah. That's, look, that's man, a this good entire point. season has been a rough year. Okay. Uh, I think most Knicks fans are ready. I think most Knicks fans are ready for the season to be over and watch the last two games. But you, you mentioned Alec Burks, you mentioned Mitchell Robinson, you mentioned IQ. So let's talk about the sign and trade then. Right. So you're, I'm guessing that you're thinking that, Tyus Jones, because you keep saying, and the the max is like fifteen mil annually is what he's looking to get. Something more than the mid level exception. And and that's, Uh, but I don't want to put words in Tyus's mouth. He hasn't talked about free agency. Right. I'll say in the Memphis market, the the amount has floated between ten to fifteen million dollars. Has been what we see. You know, some people are on the lower end, some people are on the higher end. Maybe you say twelve and a half, just to be fair. And that probably. Because obviously the mid-level exception goes up every year as the cap goes up. You know, if you front load a contract with the mid-level exception, 12 and a half is probably a, a realistic number for him. For sure, for sure. So, but if you're talking looking at like what is it, 10 to 15, anywhere in that range, we're talking about the the guys who the Knicks have signed, which is like a Derek Rose, you're talking about Alec Burks, you're talking about Nerlens Noel, you know, those are guys that you could do a one-off trade and for someone like Tyus Jones. And it's interesting you put Alec Burks first because if you're looking for a guard that can play next to John Moran, who at, who offers, you know, size, length, he is 6'6". He can score uh, in isolation. This season, he hasn't been able to show that why he was a good bench scorer last season. But when he is put in his role as like a 6th, 7th, 8th guy, like he was in the, 90, the 90th percentile in isolation scoring last season and not saying that he's like some magically gifted isolation score because of the matchups of against second units. But if you're looking for someone to have running uh, like some, some minutes with the first unit running next to John Moran, or if you want someone on that second unit, you need some scoring and you got to throw the ball to somebody just to create something. That's someone in Alec Burks. And if you're saying Tyus Jones and Alec Burks are going to have the contracts and for the Grizzlies, if you look at Burks, you know, he's a bench guy. That's really what he's always been throughout his entire career. You don't have to pay him that much. Uh, you know, he got rewarded by the Knicks because we had a lot of cap space and we had to use it. So is Alec Burks then a player that the Grizzlies are looking for because he's kind of fitting the mold of what you're talking about as like know. a guard a nice that grizzly. can do that. He's a nice grizzly. Yeah, I can actually try to him pass as a off your Alec Burks garbage. I love Burks. I, love I know you, man. what you Burks? big markets are doing. First off, you <laughs> John Morant in a Photoshop. Oh my god! And now, now you're trying to just pass off Alec Burks like he's not complete trash. I know if what I, you guys are up to. If I bring up Nerlens Noel, that's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, if that's it, Nerlens Noel. If, look, if we were trying to swindle you, I we would be handing you Nerlens Noel in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, you know, we wouldn't I, tell you. We would not mention you, that he can't catch. We would not uh-huh. say it out loud. <laughs> in fairness to you, I, and I was ready for Nerlens Noel. I was ready if you tried to flip. No, him. no, no. I was no, going to no, be no. serious. We, 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 um, we, once again, this is not that type of podcast. <laughs> fair enough. MVP, um, MVP Nerlens. I, I think that what Memphis would be most interested in 
And this is where, you know, obviously Nerland's probably isn't a realistic version of this. I, I think that once the lottery happens and you guys settle at the 11th or 12th pick, I think Memphis wants another lottery pick. And they have multiple firsts later in the draft. And I'll be honest, I would need to set, check the sign and trade rules because I know I'm pretty sure it can only be one player from the team that's doing the sign and trade. Like only Tyus could come from Memphis. But if the Grizzly, I don't know if that includes picks. So maybe you guys are more familiar with the CBA in that way. Because I would, okay, okay. Well, then then that fits my logic perfectly. I would say, because Memphis will probably have the 22nd-ish pick and the 29th-ish pick. I would say Tyus and those two picks for Burks and eleven. You know, I, I could see them floating that. I could see New York laughing in their face and saying no. Um, but I also could see Memphis trying to find different ways, maybe not that particular trade, but trying to get into the lottery and, and get another wing in particular to try to build up their depth there. You know, somebody along the lines of a, uh, you know, Dyson Daniels from the G League. Uh, I always butcher his name, but Agbaji, I think, from Kansas. He he looks like a Grizzlies player. You know what I mean? Like he's just got that vibe to him that he would be a, a Grizzlies wing. Um, you know, and then Jalen Duran or Duran uh, from Memphis. You know, he played for the Tigers this past year. The Grizzlies need a true seven footer moving forward. Uh, Steven Adams probably isn't the long term answer, although he's been awesome this year. Um, and in reality, he's had a career season for the Grizzlies. Uh, not yeah. washed like we were told uh, during the trade last summer. Um, very much the opposite. Uh, but he's still probably not the long-term answer there. So I think that that would be if the Knicks were open to that conversation, which maybe they're not, and you guys would know that better than me. If the Knicks are open to that possibility, because the Knicks have a ton of young talent. I don't necessarily see Memphis wanting to pick or prod any of those guys away, which New York would be open to. Uh, The question becomes, do the Knicks really need the 11th pick in that draft? And again, you would be getting For Tyus Jones? Yeah, I mean, but you're including <laughs> and you're and maybe it's not Alec Burks. Like maybe Nerlens Noel would be in that conversation because Memphis I is going to have over $20 million in cap space. So it could be one of those trades that can't happen until the league year starts. Um, but, you know, Memphis could take some money in that isn't just like it doesn't have to match up, you know, 14 million for 14 million. There's flexibility there. So I'm acknowledging that I am probably doing to you what I accused you of doing to me and saying that that <laughs> would you're, probably, I'm, I'm be, you're doing, probably be a starting point, a starting point for a negotiation. The larger point being, I think Memphis would be interested in your late lottery pick. How you get there is probably not what I suggested, but it is something with that framework in mind. You get a starting point guard. You get two picks later in the draft to try to supplement your roster. And now you are in a spot where you can build your organization culturally a little bit more soundly. Um, but yes, I'm acknowledging my specific offer was not, uh, not the best. That would be the starting point. If, if I was to say Nerlens Noel and that to get Tyus Jones, and then what was the, re- what was the return? What picks? Well, he was a little cheeky because he said his two first round picks, but the second one he mentioned was twenty nine. So we're gonna get into yeah. we're gonna get into that. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Thirtieth yeah. pick of the twenty twenty NBA draft was who? Who? I just, I just, I just have a Desmond question. Bain. Desmond Bain. I just Bain. have a question. And no, no, I just have, a, I just have a question. Like, in order for you to do that, that means you have to go a little far in the playoffs. So you're, you're. You're, you're you're jumping a little ahead, so that that that's why I was saying you're being a little cheeky with that. So I I I want to I actually want to hear your opinion about the Memphis Grizzlies and the playoffs oh. because you're saying 29, so I'm, we want to get into that in a little bit. Yeah, so like I just want I want to so like if if it was for like Nerlens Noel and that 11th pick, you're saying Tyus Jones for those two picks, and then we get to eliminate that contract, sure. Like I could see that, but Alec Burks, like we're not talking, and this is not to say he's the greatest guy of all time, but like I said, in his actual role, he's actually a serviceable player. And that's where it feels like, I think that's a little bit more, that's all much considering if you're saying Tyus Jones is not, he's just a guy who's going to steady the ship. And by steadying the ship, there has to be other guys around to be that, to have that ship steady uh, who are other uh, good scorers. 
it seems a little rich for the Knicks, uh, in my opinion, but I think that's like the starting points, right? You start going high and figure out where you can meet in the middle, whether that's draft picks from this season, draft picks from next season, you know, and, and trying to put whether that's protections on it and see where you go from there. Um, we're not going to go through all of that, but I think that's somewhere right. on the lines uh, where I think that's the lines of where these two teams are going. But to keep this moving along, because we do know you got to cover this game tonight. You did say the 29th pick. <laughs> the 29th pick means you've made it to the NBA Finals. <laughs> they have the second as best man, record in the NBA? As my man said. Huh? Yeah. They have the second best record in the NBA? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and I'm not taking. I, I'm not taking best away vibes. From that. Second best vibes in the first West. best so, okay. vibes. First best. <laughs> Chris Paul cannot be on any team that has the best vibes Look, man, in the league. You both are Come missing. on now. If we're talking about vibes. Let's just go to the Golden State Warriors. Everyone looks like they're chilling. They're hanging. You got Quay Thompson riding on boats, drinking beers and whatnot. Everyone's investing in tech out there. Everyone's just chilling out in San Fran. Let's go. Let's keep that one a buck. But I want to know, man. We we want to know the Memphis Grizzlies, man, because. It's not like they came completely out of nowhere. Like they were good last season. They just took another step in their development as a very young team moving forward. You know, I get, I, I listened to uh, the shout out to the mismatch with KOC and Chris Vernon. I get to hear Chris Vernon go off every, like every like two days for that podcast and how he loves the Grizzlies and how he's hyped. But what, what is it, man? Like, tell us about these Grizzlies. How are you guys feeling about the playoffs? You got that around the corner. Uh, like you said, second best team, man. Second best record. Like that is that's a massive jump because and the trajectory is that even if they don't make the finals this year, if they make the like, let's say they're their second round, like they they, they go seven that's games in the second round. That's their issue. Yeah. The second round is their is gonna be their first issue. So like so like if they make if they do that, I feel like that's still an accomplishment because there's still a lot more for this team to do moving forward because they're mm-hmm. so young, but what are the feelings in, in, in Grizzly Nation right now, Joe? Uh, they're a lot more concerned than they should be. Everything you just said is exactly right. Um, they're very young. They are a lot better right now than they were supposed to be. Um, I think they're, gosh, 17 or 15, something like that games better than what they were. I think their over-under was 40 and a half out in Vegas. So they're well overachieving in terms of what was expected of them. Um, I could see them making the NBA finals. I really could when they're playing their best basketball, the Phoenix suns are a juggernaut. They deserve all the respect they're getting. I think Memphis can beat them in six games. If Memphis is playing to their capability, I'm not convinced that if Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Jr. And John Morant are all going off that Phoenix can stop all three of them. I don't think. How about Dallas? Uh, Dallas makes me nervous in that you are a step ahead of me. I think that the thing about the Grizzlies is I could see them making the NBA Finals. I could see them losing in the first round. I could see Memphis losing to Minnesota uh, if the Clippers are the seven seed and Kawhi. The rumors of Kawhi are true. And Hmm. Game One in Memphis, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard tried out there with Norm Powell. You know, yeah. okay, like that's the yeah. best seven scene in the history of the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's important to point out with such a young team. I don't know that they need another star anymore. You know, people would talk about Jalen Brown when the Celtics were struggling. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, but, you know, what, can they find a way to get the third man? I don't know that they need that anymore. I think the third man's Desmond Bain. So now they just need, you know, another dude that can score in the half court. That does like a, a Burks, to be honest with you, would kind of fit the bill as a bench guy um, on a smaller scale. Obviously, uh, he wouldn't be mm-hmm. a starter, but I, I think that they still need that. But they are not in a place where they need a Jalen Brown anymore, in my opinion. I think Bain can be, if you're comparing them to the Warriors dynasty, Ja is Steph, J- Jaron is Draymond Green, uh, slightly better offensively, Draymond Green. And if Desmond Bain plays the part of Clay, you know, now you just got to fit these guys around those three and make it work. Uh, but they're still so young and, and they're still so early in that process. The Clippers scare me. Uh, if it's Minnesota, I think Minnesota is like the Grizzlies in a lot of ways. And I think Memphis will beat them in five or six. I don't know that the Timberwolves can contend with what Memphis can do for a seven game series. Uh, but once you get out of the first round, you know, if it's Dallas, if it's Golden State, if it's somebody along those lines, you know, 
I'm not convinced that this team has the pieces in place to be able to stop what teams are going to do to stop jaw for seven games. Um, we've seen it with Minnesota to their credit. They've done a good job defending John Morant. More and more teams are going to get more and more creative when they have more time to break down film. How do you limit what this young team is capable of? And I worry about that. So I think that their ceiling is the finals. I believe that in my heart that they, they could make the NBA finals. I also believe they could lose in six games in the first round. Like that wouldn't surprise me. None of it would be disappointing to me because they are so young and they have two first round picks since the Lakers screwed up the third one. Thanks a lot. Lakers garbage franchise. Um, since the Lakers screwed that up and Pelicans are going to get that. They have two first round picks. They have $20 million in cap space. You know, they have the flexibility to make this team even better. And Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies GM over the last three years has done nothing to suggest that this team's not going to get better. Like he, even his failures, like justice Winslow, or, um, you know, you could argue that the gosh, it's slipping my mind right now. Um, but he had another one recently, you know, he's had a couple of missteps, but even the missteps aren't long-term missteps. You know, they're smart, calculated risks that if they failed, like justice Winslow, justice Winslow failed, like that didn't work, but he gave up Jay Crowder who shot 29% from three in Memphis. I hated Jay Crowder in Memphis. <laughs> he's a great player everywhere else, but Memphis. Um, I kind of want the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals just so I can talk trash about Jay Crowder the entire time. <laughs> you sound um, like a Knicks fan. I just want you to God, know. <laughs> 25.3%. And people, oh, Jay Crowder was so important to the leadership. He shot 29.3% from three and took shots from Jaron Jackson Jr. in a developmental year. Jay Crowder stinks. All right? That's my official take. Um, I, I think that they are in a spot where they can make themselves better still. And they're still so young that as long as you can keep the perspective of that, none of this will be disappointing. As you guys know, fandom is fandom. Fan is short mm -hmm. for fanatic. Uh, how many Memphis fans are going to be able to keep that perspective if they're knocked off by Minnesota in seven games? Th that's disappointing, but at the same time, I will look at it as a fan, as a blogger, media, whatever you want to call me. Now they know what they need, and now they have the capacity to go get what they need in this last year before Jaws Supermax kicks in. And, you know, it's all gravy in that way. Win or lose, it's a positive outcome for Memphis. Was Jai healthy? Yeah, uh, I was in the pregame uh, media availability. Coach Jenkins said the goal is for him to play one of the games this coming weekend. Uh, they have a back-to-back -back Saturday, Sunday to end the season in Memphis. Um, he'll try to play one of those. I would imagine he'll be fine for the playoffs. All right. All so right. I, if that's the case, I have I have Memphis as an outsider who watches way too much NBA basketball. I have I have you guys somewhere in the middle, somewhere in, in between going to the NBA. Final. I think your cap is the Western Conference Finals, uh, losing to Phoenix. In my in my opinion, I know you don't agree. The and Phoenix Suns have Jay Crowder. There's no way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Jay Crowder's going to take a, perfect... a shot from Devin Booker at a terrible time, and I'll say I told you. That's I told a, you so. That You're probably perfect. right that Jay Crowder will take a shot that <laughs> should have gotten you're, Booker at some you're time. Talking, you're talking to the ESPN and NBA. That's exactly why that this exact matchup will happen in the Western Conference Finals. Oh, Jay Crowder. There's so much. You know, the one and two seed. There's so many storylines here. But, dude, if you – I'm going to push back on one thing here. Uh, you know, we can end on this. I, I think it will be incredibly disappointing. If you lose in the in the first round to the playing team, it, it, like if you want to lose to Denver, to Golden State, or to Dallas, no problem, right? Whether that's the second round or, the, or you know the third round, I have no I have no issue with that. But if you or, or Phoenix really, but if you're gonna lose to Utah, if you're gonna lose to the Clippers with Kawhi just coming back over his first game, you know, and, and Norm Powell come back over his fourth game. You know, if you're going to lose to uh, McCollum, if you're going to lose to Deontay Murray, like that is disappointing, man. You're the number two seed all year. Jaws healthy. Tyus Jones about to get paid. You know, uh, semi-defensive player of the year and Jaron Jackson, probably uh, defensive uh, second team. Like, you don't think that would be disappointment? Like, you lose in six? Disappointing, maybe. Maybe I didn't phrase that appropriately. 
I think that when I hear the word disappointed, I think like I had expectations, if that makes sense. That's and right. my That's expectation right. going into the season before all the crazy injuries and all the COVID issues and all that stuff, my expectation was for them to win 42 games. And I would have considered that a successful season. And because we have to, nothing that this front office has done, the main transaction that they made in the offseason, on paper, they got worse. They, they acquired the 10th overall pick so they could take Sire Williams, who everybody acknowledged was a project. They downgraded from Jonas Valanciunas to Steven Adams. Individually, there's no denying that. Valanciunas is a better basketball player than oh, Steven Adams. And he's awesome. Like he's a very good basketball player, but they knew what their team needed. They needed less shooting from Jonas and they needed Desmond Bain to pick up those shots and Jaron Jackson Jr. To pick up those shots. And they needed a center that was going to do the work that Jonas does without the offensive usage. And that's what Adams has been. The Grizzlies essentially gave up Grayson Allen for nothing. I think Grayson Allen was two second round picks from the Bucks. And Grayson is a starter for them. And if he's not a starter, he's a sixth man type for a championship contending team. Mm -hmm. But they gave up Grayson to give more minutes for Bain, give more minutes for DeAnthony Melton, who we haven't talked about as much on this show. But he's had a massive season for the Grizzlies. Um, they've, they have done nothing, guys, that acts like a contending team. So until their front office acts like a contending team, everything's gravy for me. I'm thrilled that they're the two seed. If they lose in the first round, like I said earlier, they're going to, if they lose in the first round, it's going to be very clear what they're missing and they have the capacity to go get it. So that is why I say I won't be disappointed because if, if they have that failure of losing with expectations, they, there will have been a glaring weakness shown and they'll be able to go address that in the draft and free agency. You know, Miles Bridges has been a name that's been floated. I think the athletic wrote about, you know, if something happens with Minnesota, wanting Anthony Edwards to be the man there. Carl Anthony Towns might be available. The Memphis Grizzlies could trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Like that's not a crazy statement to make when you look at the assets that Memphis has. Whether Minnesota wants to Joe, trade him is one thing Joe, or another. You are a 2021 Knicks fan. I don't know if you hear yourself talking about you can't believe that the Knicks are a four seed. You won't be disappointed in the first round. Looking for you're gonna find you know the issue and solve it. Talking about trading for Carl Anthony Towns. I just want you to know, man. I just want you to know. You sound like last year's Knicks fans, and I hope it doesn't work. The out only difference is the only difference <laughs> is our best player is John Morant, who is 22 years old. Your best player was Julius Randle, who got traded by the Los Angeles Lakers and was a journeyman by the time he had his best season. Uh, not, not to, yeah, but, uh, he's twenty-seven now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, if he was, he, he just would looks be the old, third, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would be the third oldest player on the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> Kyle Anderson good. and Stephen Adams are twenty-eight. Julius Randle would be twenty-seven. He'd be good grandpa. Lord, Stephen Adams Grizzlies. is only twenty-eight. Stephen Adams only twenty-eight. Woo. Fair. Wow, that beard makes him look like he's freaking 40. <laughs> Those Kiwi jeans. <laughs> Those Kiwi jeans, that's a fact. All right, Joe, before we get you out of here, we want your prediction. Where, how far do the Grizzlies go? I agree with the idea that they'll be in the middle. Uh, I think they can make the Western Conference final, or excuse me, I think they can make the NBA finals. I think they can get eliminated in the first round. I've got them getting knocked out in the Western Conference finals to the Phoenix Suns. Um, I right. just think Monty Williams has done an amazing job there. Uh, I think Phoenix is hungry. They made that trade, right? They went and got Chris Paul. That was the dude that they needed. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think Memphis does that with Russell Westbrook or anything like that. Uh, but I think it'll expose that the Grizzlies need that one last piece and they'll look for him this offseason. All right. Well, Joe, on that note, thank you for coming on this, this uh, next episode of the Knicks, Jets, et cetera podcast. Please let our listeners know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Joe Mullinex. They can find the blog that I'm site manager for Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies. We've got a ton of good content coming out for the playoffs. Can't stress enough the Memphis Grizzlies. If you don't want to cheer for Chris Paul or Jay Crowder, God forbid, <laughs> um, cheer for the Memphis Grizzlies. The vibes are immaculate. The team's fun. <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 a man in his middle, you know, that's 35 years old saying the vibes are immaculate. Hey, if I'm confident in saying that, yeah. Things must be going pretty well. Fair. 
Sounds great. And thank you everyone for tuning in for the next episode of the Next Jets, et cetera, podcast. Please make sure to go follow Joe Molinax and just go check out his work over at SB Nation's Grizz- Grizzly Bear Blues. My God, that is a tongue twister. But once again, <laughs> everyone, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast. You know what to do. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you want, and if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment. Also, shout out to I-95 Bully, all right? I-95 Bully. I said I would read a comment if someone posted it. He said he gave us a five-star rating. He said, good, honest opinion without the usual Nick fans hyperbole. I-95 bully. Appreciate Hyper it, bowl. I-95. Without the hyperbole. That's how you know, bro. There we go. Without the hyperbole. See, Joe, this ain't that type of podcast. <laughs> on top of that, we're also on YouTube. So make sure to type in Nick's comma, Jets comma, ETC period. Make sure to subscribe. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And when you watch a video, make sure to hit the like button and leave a comment. Engage with us. Let us know your opinions. Add to the conversation. We'll interact. We just want to know what you guys are thinking, too. We also got another podcast over there, Winning Picks Weekly. If you're into sports, betting, sports, gambling, John, video producer Greg. And we've recently had our boy Chip Murphy on. Go check it out. They cover everything. Golf, baseball, basketball, NFL, you name it, they got you covered. And then last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. One, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, we are there. Thank everyone for tuning in for another next episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. We out. Let's go Knicks. Let's go Grizzlies, I guess. <laughs> Great city.